If you don't know Michelle Perry, I want to introduce her to you. I thought that she needed it to be introduced. Um, the Lord connected us several years back, and um, Michelle um, started an orphanage in Africa, in Sudan. And how many years ago was that? Almost seven. Almost seven years ago. There's over 100 orphans there, and... You know, she did it by herself. The Lord really used her, and that's a powerful ministry there. And she's a great, she's written two books. One called Love Has a Face, and the other one's called The Supernatural. An Invitation to the Supernatural Life. It's really, really good. Both of those books are awesome. But I just wanted to say she's awesome. So enjoy her. Okay, let's go. I'm so humbled by that. Can I move this over so I'm, like, in the middle? Is that good? we got to take care of you right, girl. There you go. (laughs) hilarious i'll imagine my bible's here <laughs> i have a music stand with nothing on it <laughs> i had to laugh when um you know i've always called i never have called this a bar stool but i guess it is in more ways than one because i just love to drink in jesus <laughs> yay god I just, I want to pray for, um, I want to pray for, what, what, who are the names of the guys that are going to rescue these girls from slavery? Teddy and Ellie? Okay. Let's just take a minute and pray for that together because that's the heart of Jesus. And I've been in places. I've gone into brothels. We've gotten girls out. I know what that's like. I've gone into the burning trash mounds where, you know, guys want to kill you when you show up. And some of them have guns and some of them have broken bottles and some of them have machetes. And it can get a little bit dicey, but not when you're with Jesus because he, he just, you know, they all became my friends. And then they started calling me mama, and then it was like, well, if I'm going to be your mama, you really, I'm going to counsel you to get a different profession. (laughs) You know, being a hitman isn't probably God's call on your life. I'm sure there's a redemptive analogy, you know, um, but, you know, let's let's just retool that a little bit, shall we? (laughs) But I know I've walked... I've walked with that. I know what that's like. And um, so I just, I want to pray. Teddy and Ellie, is that right? Okay. Papa, I just thank you that we as as a people, we as as a part of your bride, we as a part of your body here, right here in, in Mooresville, God, that we come together before the throne, before your throne of grace, and we just lift up Teddy and Ellie. God, I thank you that the angels of breakthrough go before them. I want, thank you that these, um, the captors that are holding these girls, God, that they will have such a change of heart, God, that it will just be, it's going to be a miracle and a testimony of your goodness. Father, and just like Ghana was this outpost of the slave trade in, in several centuries ago, God, when, you know, slaves were being brought over to this, this nation. God, I thank you that this is going to be even a reversal of long ago, God, and of things that are still rooted in the land that, that are still being dealt with, God. That even this, this, even these girls that are coming out, even though there are, there are a few number, even if it was just one, God, it's worth everything for the one. 
Jesus, you come for the one. You stop for the one. Daddy, and I thank you that there will be no power in hell that will be able to keep these girls bound. Father, I thank you that not only are they going to be set free from their physical slavery, God, but they will be healed from the top of their heads to the bottom of their toes from the inside out because of your love and what you're going to do. Wow, because of what you're going to do in their hearts, what you're going to do in their lives, what you're going to do, Jesus. Hey, you are so worthy, Jesus. You are so worthy. Father, and I thank you as Teddy and Ellie walk into these places, you're going to give them eyes to see prophetically. You're going to give them eyes to see supernaturally that they're not going to look according to their own understanding. They're not going to walk in their own, in their own ideas, God, but you're going to pour out your wisdom, your creativity, your understanding into them, Jesus. Hey. Yeah. Come on. Daddy, and you are so going to get all the honor and glory. You are going to get all of the honor and glory. Papa, I thank you. And I thank you for the destiny on these girls' lives. That it will not be thwarted. It will not be cut short. It will not be aborted. It will not be cut off, Daddy. That their call and who they're created to be and who their life book that you're writing jesus will be filled with your stories and filled with your glory god and that they will be set free and they will be those that set others free like esters in their generation (laughs) and the enemy doesn't stand a chance because you've already won and we step in to the victory that you have already won on the cross We don't have to do anything else except step into you and lean into your kingdom. Shika Baba. (laughs) I just love your presence. Papa, I just love who you are. I just love being with you and, and, and just hanging out with you. I just, it's such an honor to be here. It's such an honor to be with family and to be with you and, and just whatever you're doing and however you want to move this morning, God, I just think you have permission. You have permission to do whatever you want to do. Daddy, if you want to turn us upside down, turn us upside down. But you are all together faithful. And you are all together lovely. And you are all together beautiful. Jesus, beautiful Jesus, show. (laughs) Wow. Daddy, you're awesome. Holy Spirit, we love you. Wow. We love to watch how you move and to be a part of it, whatever is on your heart to do. Wow. We love to be blown and carried by your wind. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. Keep coming, Jesus. Keep pouring out. 
Keep pouring out on those who have come hungry and thirsty this morning. Keep pouring out. We come to drink. We come to drink of who you are. We come to drink of who you are. We want to be intoxicated with who you are, Jesus. That place of being wholly overcome and, and undone, God, in your presence. So that we can be filled up, ready to be spilled out wherever you take us, Jesus. Wow. Daddy, and I want to pray one more thing for their trip to Ghana. And that's guard their luggage and let it go with them. In Jesus' name. (laughs) Wow. You guys are amazing. Thanks. I have a Bible again. Shikababa. <laughs> Better ministry through technology when it works. <laughs> when it doesn't, we'll just, you know, get lost in, in who he is. <laughs> and when it does, we'll get lost in who he is. And, yeah. Well, it's been like a year and a half since I've been here. That's way too long. I just, I wish Florida in here was a little closer. We need to get the Philip anointing going. (laughs) Wowie zowie. Wow, that's really strange. I guess I have a magnet on here because it's sticking to your music stand. (laughs) I'm easily amused. I was I was praying last night and I, I was about to go to bed and it was like around one fifty and I was no I'm gonna stay up I want to see one fifty nine become one a.m. So I watched it <laughs> on my phone. Yeah, I watched it and I was like, it worked. It did it. That is so cool. And I said, Jesus, what are you, I know when God has me do stuff like that and he, he causes me to notice little things like that. It's usually because he wants to say something about it. And, and I really feel like, um, the phrase that has stuck out to me is I thought, why am I so utterly amused by this? This, you know, simple 159 to 1am. What is that? Jesus. And. I really believe that he wants to redeem the time. And it's been a very, very, very difficult season for many, many people, myself included. And he wants to redeem the things that the enemy has tried to steal, even the things that the enemy has touched. Okay? If he even touches it, if he even puts one little slimy fingerprint on it, okay, we get seven times seven. Kingdom payback yes i don't know if that that makes me happy doesn't it isn't it good wowie zowie and i am just i am so grateful and just for what he's doing and um in the earth and that we get to that i get to be a part of it it just it's really humbling and it just it's humbling to be with him and and the fact that the god of the universe the creator of all wants us to come and hang out 
Have you ever thought about that? I mean, that's like pretty astounding. I think, you know, there are a lot of things that, um, that it's easy for us to take for granted. And I know there are things that I haven't intentionally t- took for granted, but, but I've been so much more aware in this season of the little ways that God moves and how amazingly miraculous that is. And, um, I've been through a fairly radical transition, um, after almost seven years being based in South Sudan in August, um, I finalized the handover of the work in South Sudan to the new leadership that's going to be taking it to the next level. And one of the things, just this whole season has been packed with lessons from Holy Spirit. It really has. But one of these things um, that really has stuck out to me is the importance of knowing, and this is just really for all of us, knowing what part we're to play and what the timeline is that we're to play it in and and what season we're in. And really, I want to be like the sons of Issachar that that understand the times, that understand the seasons and know what to do. You know, I really want to walk in that. That's that's a desire of my heart. And so many times we overstay our grace. You know, God, the cloud moves on and we're like, but God, it's a big ministry. It's really good. It's good stuff. It's like I'm successful. What what are you doing moving on? Maybe that was just me. Okay, thank you. Um, But, (laughs) but when God gives us each a part to play and, um, and I'm a pioneer, I'm, you know, the one that kicks open the door and gets the foundation laid, but I'm really not a great wall builder. My walls look like this. Because I'm not, I'm just, I'm not that detail oriented. But God brought someone who's an amazing wall builder. And so we need to know when it's time to hand the baton. And so that we can do that with Jesus instead of having everything blow up, fall apart, and the foundation be destroyed because we didn't hand it over and get out of the way. Okay, and some of you are in transition and you need to know in order to see God redeem the time. Okay, it you have to let go. And I've been through this whole process of letting go. And believe me, it has cost me far more to move back to the United States than it ever cost me to move to Africa. All right, it's cost my heart far more. And it's been a much higher price because I had, I mean, we have 110 um, children, sons and daughters, all of them, um, that live with it in the home. And then there's been probably over the years, about 70 more that have come through at various occasions and stayed with us. And we try to reunite them with their family, um, whenever we can, whenever the family situation allows for them to go back to the village and still have, you know, care and food and schooling and things. You know, we help the family out, and but we want to see the kids back in the family if at all possible. And um, and so there's probably been about, about 200, 210, somewhere around them, little lives that have called me mama. And to hand that over 
even to someone amazing, someone else. It's it was a far more costly um, path, and it was one that I really didn't think God was going to ask me to walk. Because when I went there, I went fully prepared to not come back. And I really, it wasn't in a thought in my mind when God said, will you give me the next five years for, for Sudan? I thought he was like, you know, opening a door. And sometimes he says, will you do this? And it's, it's like, okay, well now will you do this? And it's, it's not, it's not like five years and you're done. It's, it's like just the start. So I thought that he was just going to say, well, will you give me five more years? You know, he was just working with what I could commit to at the time. But no, he actually meant five years. <laughs> sometimes, you know, sometimes we make it so much more complicated. And God's like, no, I, ju- I just meant five years. It's, it's not symbolic, okay? <laughs> Does anyone else do that? I'm like, oh, the years of grace. And God's like, no, I meant five. One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> okay, Jesus. Shikaraba. And um <laughs> He is just, he is just amazing. And um so I want to talk a little bit when I can find it. Where did it go? Okay. Normally I open up to this before I get here, but I've never had my iPad lock up before. So timing, thank you, tech team, you're amazing. Technology gurus. I was like, what do I do? I can't press any of the buttons. Yeah, I'm really, I I use technology and it's great when it works, but when it doesn't, I don't have much of an idea how to fix it. Except go, Jesus, bring technologically, like enable people. Yay. So thank you. And dental miracles. Yes, please. A year ago, when I came back to the United States, um, just to let you know a little bit about my year, I came back um, kind of on a medical leave, um, not thinking I was actually going to be moving back here permanently, really. Like, I thought I would come and go still. I just would come and go from here instead of Africa. And um, and when I got here, you know, I've had a lot of health issues, malaria, cerebral malaria, 18 times, and that takes a toll on your body. Um, yeah, it's, people are like 18, no, not re, not like recurrences, like separate infections. Mosquitoes love me. That's all I can say. The African mosquitoes love me because I don't get bit over here. I just get bit in Africa. It's just really odd. But, um. So, but I will say when I went, had to go back in May to deal with an emergency and kind of handle some of the things that had gotten a bit messy in the transition, um, you know, with the work and just get them all sorted out. Um, when I got there, when I was in Juba, there was so much attack going on from the enemy. I must have in one day got 200 mosquito bites. You could barely see the skin of my arm. You know, I mean, I had bumps everywhere. And, um, they say in Africa, if you've gotten 10 mosquito bites, you've gotten malaria and I didn't get malaria. So that is just, that was a miracle of God's protection. And so when I came back, um, I had some routine dental work done, you know, got some cavities, get some fillings. And my dentist thought it was a really bright idea to put a silver filling next to my gold crown on the back of my teeth. The, my bat two teeth and 
guess who got a battery in her mouth? There's something called an oral galvanic reaction that rare few people are privileged to have. And I've always, I've always said I want to be electric. And I didn't mean literally, um, but I had a battery in my mouth and I could feel the buzz and, and my mouth tasted like copper and it was excruciatingly painful because it was sending, it was a constant um, stimulation of my facial nerve um, for three weeks and the I couldn't eat, I could barely speak. By the time I got to a dentist that took me seriously because the other one thought I was being a, dra- a drama queen, I could barely get words out. I had, my lips were numb, numb my tongue was numb. Um, and I was in excruciating pain. And so on my birthday last year, my birthday present from Jesus was an amazing dentist who took the silver filling out and put a, a non-conductive one in its place. But unfortunately, the damage had already been done on my facial nerve. It blew out the second branch of my, of my trigeminal nerve and threw me into something called atypical trigeminal neuralgia, which I found out. You know, go big or go home is in the top five most painful conditions known to man. They used to call it suicide disorder because before they had pain meds, most people didn't stick around with it. I mean, it's that painful. And so it basically felt like I had a migraine in my face and all the top teeth were abscessing at once. And and there was no relief for anything. And for four months, I just was in a dark room curled up wondering what was going to happen. And then um, fast forward a few more months, um, we had some drama and different things that were going on in, in South Sudan that needed to get sorted. And so right before I was planning to go, um, initially, the back tooth blew up in an abscess up into my sinus cavity. So I had to go in for an emergency surgery to get all of the infection out because when you have an abscess that goes upward, it can be pretty dangerous. And so they did, they took care of that. And, um, so I looked like a chipmunk for like another month. And, um, and then right on the heels of that, I had to go and walk through some very difficult things, um, in South Sudan to get, you know, transition is messy and the enemy tries to get in and he tries to destroy and he's only doing his job description. So I totally refuse to be impressed by him. I'm only going to be impressed by Jesus. All right. I'm not going to be impressed by him. And so I I went there, sort some, sorted some things out and just, it was a very painful, difficult season, but then everything got sorted in terms of the work in South Sudan and the transition was complete and God put the right person in. She's amazing. Her name is Carolyn. Please pray for her. Please keep following what's going on in South Sudan. She needs your prayers big time. And, um, you know, I'm still around to help out with stuff when she needs me to. And she's a dear friend, and I love her so much. Um, But I transitioned back to the United States. And hardest move I've ever made. Moving to Africa was so much easier. Um, But I got back here, and I still have to remember to turn my lights on at night. You know, I sit there, and it's semi-dark. And I'm like, oh, wait, there's electricity. Turn the light on. It's amazing what you get used to in a few years. 
and um, so you know there's a there's a period of any time you go through transition there is a period of grieving that happens but the thing what we want to and God what he really was challenging me in this whole period is yes okay there's a thing there's a period of grieving that happens of letting go but when you stay there and you camp there and you build real estate there you know don't buy real estate in the valley journey through it wait till you get on the other side to buy to start buying investing in real estate all right but it's really tempting to think you're never going to get through it and so you just kind of hunker down and then you don't and then there's a there's a thing that happens where a spirit of grief can come and can actually hold you in bondage there and that is not what god desires Okay, now I don't believe he sends anything that is evil, bad, painful, sickness. That's not who our our daddy is. But I do believe he redeems it and uses it. And I and I have to because I've walked through it. And I've walked through it in so many levels, in so many ways. And if he didn't redeem it, I wouldn't be here. All right. And, you know, so I want to talk a little bit. I know we close at 12. And so we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to talk fast. Okay. Cause I also want to just be able to just pray over us and just to like, let's, let's actually watch God do something. There was so much power of what God was going on, doing in the worship with that song about shame being broken. Okay. And God talks about how the shame of our youth and the shame of the shame of the last season, you know, it's going to be broken and it is being broken. And, and it's not some of the enemy wants to come and clothe us in a mantle of shame. All right. That is not a mantle I'm going to receive, but sometimes it just, it kind of, it's sneaky. It sneaks up on you. And then you don't even realize you're wearing it until all the go, what is this heaviness? How did it get here? And um, God wants to just strip that off. He doesn't want grave clothes. He wants grace clothes. Okay. And now there is a scripture. There's lots of scripture, actually, but we're going to talk about one. And it's Psalm 147, verse 3. And I'm going to give you... The Michelle's expanded version. I'm not a Bible translator, but I did. Um, I love language in terms of really getting to the bottom of what um, what things mean. And okay, work with me here, little pad. Come here. Um, there we go. Um, I'm looking. I'm looking up my expanded version. <laughs> Yay, Jesus. Um, here we go. Um, but, you know, there's, I'm not, as I said, I'm not a Bible translator, but I do love original language. And Hebrew, especially, is so different from English in that it was a, it's almost like a non-linear language. Okay, like we're, we're very linear. We go A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And it's just a straight line. Okay, um, Hebrew is a language that is a language of pictures and of metaphor. And, and it just, it has a whole depth of richness that, that it's easy to lose when we just translate it word for word. If that makes sense. Okay. So, Psalm 147 verse 3. 
It says he being God heals as in mending by stitching, making whole the brokenhearted, the ones whose hearts, the seat of our affections, feelings, courage, and will have been torn to pieces, crushed, maimed, and completely shattered by violence and binds up, wrapping firmly, covering, governing over, enveloping and enclosing their wounds, pains, sorrows, afflictions, injuries, hurts, and griefs. Is that not like crazy amazing? Okay, I want to talk about something. Um, The word wounds there, you know, it doesn't, whatever we go through, and this is a journey I've had to very intentionally set my heart on in this last season because there has been a lot of pain and there has been a lot of wounding and it's come from so many different levels. And um, when you mend a garment and you stitch it together when it's got a tear, what becomes the strongest part of the garment? The place that was torn, right? So when God comes and he stitches our hearts together and the places they've been crushed and they've been broken and they've been, they've been ripped to pieces and he comes and he stitches them together, those places that have been stitched and healed become some of the strongest places of our testimony and of our ability to walk in and to be able to extend grace and see other people also get healed. Yes. Yes. You know, I don't believe God sends anything. He doesn't will that we go through and have our hearts torn so that he can use us later. That's a perverted, twisted theology. It is. The word perversion isn't just talking in one area. It's talking about a twisting. That is a perverted, sick theology. Because God is a good papa. And, you know, us being imperfect and not nearly as good as he is, we wouldn't want to teach our children hot by putting their hand in the fire. Okay, so so God doesn't teach us lessons by sending bad things. You need to hear me on that because some people would take this and would twist it around to mean that. And, and if you've been taught that, I am so sorry. That is not who Jesus is. Okay, God wants to take you on a journey to find out who he really is. All right. So many times we reduce our theology to our experience. And we try to explain our experience by creating a theology around it. When God wants to say, no, a theology, a true study of who he is, is dependent not on circumstance. It's dependent on who he is. And then our circumstance needs to be defined by who he is, not the other way around. Shika. I've said Shika Baba for years. When I got to South Sudan, they speak a language um, that's a, a form of Arabic. And Shika means way and Baba means father. And so for years I've been saying the way, the highway, the road of the father. Wow. And then, and then I went, oh, one day I went Shika Raba. And they thought, wow, Mama learned a new word. But no, it was my prayer language. And Raba means growth and multiplication. Look at what we prophesy without knowing. But the word that is really interesting to me in the last five minutes. (laughs) 
If you want to read more about this, I do talk about it in, in book number two, An Invitation to the Supernatural Life. And if you go on from the unpavedroad.com um, and search around a bit, you will find the article I'm actually referencing that um, I wrote a while ago. Um, but I want to, sometimes I read the, the actual translation because it's so rich. I don't want to even leave anything out by approximating. But the thing that I find really interesting is when it says he binds up and that word bind can mean to govern over their wounds. Now wounds, this is, this is what's fascinating to me is it can mean grief, but it can also mean idol. That is the same word that the Hebrew used, the Hebrew language used for idolatry and for idols. And what God began to show me through this last season of having to walk through a heck of a lot of wounding of my heart is that when our wounds and our pain and our griefs become so close to us and they become bigger than God, then they become an idol. And what is an idol? But it is a seat of false government that the enemy can come and sit on and govern our life. But when God binds up our wounds, he literally comes and governs over the places we have allowed false government to come and sit on. Hello, beautiful bride. Okay, I don't know about you, but I don't want any seats of false government in my life. Okay, and I don't want the places of my pain to become places that the enemy thinks he can come in and rule and reign over. Okay, I want the places, I don't want to waste any pain. Okay, I don't. Don't waste your pain. All right? God wants to take those places and become the seat of his kingdom in our lives. Those places that are ripped, he wants them to become places to see through to his beauty that is beyond. And he wants to come and he wants to heal and mend and govern over those places in our lives so that when we walk through the valley and we transition through the valley, we don't invest in real estate there. That we get through to the other side and we can then speak life into people who are still journeying through a dark spot. And we can say by the testimony of the grace of what we've walked through and what we've seen Jesus done, that you will get through. Some of you need to hear that. And but when you're in that place of transition, okay, don't think the place of transition is the place of ending up and of destination. Transition is a season you go through to get to your next place of grace. And God called me back and I will do this in 30 seconds. Um, God called me back. Oh, that's a dangerous thing to tell me to take my time. I, I work on Africa time still. We'd be here till two. And then you would be grumpy with me because you'd be hungry. And the children's workers would be really grumpy with me. 
okay? And I love my family here too much to do that to you. So um, in, in less than 30 seconds now, um, I transitioned back, and I now live in Jacksonville, Florida, in um, a little town that's just outside on the edges of, of Jacksonville. And of all things, there were three things I told Jesus I never wanted to do. Camping children and lead a church in the West. Well, I did camping and children for seven years. And now guess what I'm doing? In the West. Yes, Jesus. And I tried to get around it for a year. I squirmed under it. And I said, people would say, oh, you're planting a church. And I would say, no, 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 absolutely not. We're a missional creative community that loves Jesus. And then I walked into my little 700 square foot apartment and I, you know, the foyer is about two steps long and I put my bags down and I locked the door behind me. I stepped onto the carpet and I literally stepped into a wall of God's presence. Bam, onto the ground I went. And for two hours I couldn't get up and the only thing Holy Spirit said is, it's a church. <laughs> so God got my attention and... And create 61 that I thought was going to be this lovely little nice nonprofit ministry that, that just served people in the nation is actually, um, quite a bit more radical than that. And it's, it's a church. And, but we don't, we're not doing church in, in a normal way in the sense that God's really asked us to step out into a new pattern. And I love Sunday morning church. I love worship and corporate worship in this kind of a setting. I honor it, and, and, and in some ways it would be a lot easier to do this because this is what everybody's used to. But God's asking us to do something a little different, and so we're, the bulk of the life of the church is in missional micro-communities that are going to be, they're not, there's only one of us right now, but next year we'll be multiplying and being in many different places in the city, and there's a vision for a whole network of these these multiplying missional micro-communities. And that's where the discipleship and the worship and the growth and the outreach and everything happens in the context of these small family units. And that's what we do in Africa. That's what we do in the underground church and many other parts of the world. And God wants to bring a type and a season and a, an expression of that here because it's training us to do things in a different way. Um, and for the young people that are involved, it's like church planting training without calling it training. So when they, they're called to be doctors and lawyers and engineers and places that really don't welcome the church in this type of expression, they'll already know what to do because they've been doing it. And, um, and then every four to six weeks, we'll have a big gathering and a big meal, and we'll worship together and tell stories of what God's doing and let the different groups get to know each other. And and I'm not exactly sure what it's going to look like beyond that, and that's very vague, and we're not sure how God's going to do it. And these guys, the precious guys that are, I can't even believe they've stayed, you know, for four, like for, gosh, six, seven, eight months now. Because, you know, they're, one of them especially, they're very, they want to know how it's going to, what's, what's the plan? And all I've been able to tell them there isn't one that I know. 
and 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 that we're just going to trust Jesus and we're going to keep meeting and loving each other and loving him and then when he does something different we'll we'll do that by his grace and so i i just some amazing miracle of grace they've stayed and so i've got a beautiful little fledgling team that i'm so honored to serve with and to release and to see them fly and if I could, if they were not in school, I would have brought them up here just so they could meet you. And I, I hope that I get to at some point. And some of them are some of the most prophetically gifted, amazing young people I have ever seen. And they are such quality. And I'm so honored that God's put it in their heart to join up with this vision, whatever it winds up looking and being. And people want to know what it looks like. And I'll say, I'll tell you when we get there. But I want to tell you, I tell you all of that to give you a framework for getting through transition. When a woman's in labor, now I, not that I know in the natural, I know in the spirit, but when a woman's in labor, I've been told transition is the hardest, most painful part. Some of you mamas who have had earthly babies know that. All of mine have been adopted so far. But in the spirit, I can tell you it's true. So if you've gone through a painful season where it seems like those dreams are never going to really materialize. The enemy wants to lead you into a place and it's really a cave in the valley of transition called hope deferred. That's a good word. I've never seen it like that till I just said it. Love when Holy Spirit just does it and you go, wow, I need to get my own message. Cause, cause I really didn't plan this. I came this morning with an idea, but I didn't have a concept of what in the world I was going to share. I didn't know even if I was going to share. Cause I never know with Holy Spirit what he's doing. <laughs> Holy. How? He is. Wow. So don't let the enemy trap you in a cave of hope deferred as you're journeying through the valley of, of the shadow, as you're journeying through a valley called transition. I'm going to tell you one story and then we're going to pray. Is that okay? Can I do one story? So years ago, um, on my way to Africa, I was going through another dark kind of season of transition. And when I say dark, I don't necessarily mean I was under this big veil of attack. When I mean dark, sometimes there's a darkness of unknowing where you just don't know what it's going to look like. You don't know. And you're in this place of you're not where you were and you're not where you're going. You just are where you are and you're not quite sure where that is. And it, so it was this dark kind of thing. And, and right before I went into it, I, I had this, this picture of two roads and one was wide and bright and it looked like the brightness of heaven. And the other was narrow and steep and dark. And it walked into this place of darkness. And I, and, and I knew, I knew in my spirit that I had to take the darker road. 
the narrow, dark road. And, and I said, well, Jesus, I am going to choose to trust you in the place I don't understand, in this place of mystery. Because unless I will fully embrace your mystery and the things I don't understand, I will limit the display of your majesty. Wow. Good word, Holy Spirit. And so I stepped down and I saw myself stepping down into the, on this dark road. And then all of a sudden that's where I was in the season. And for six months, I didn't know where I was going or what I was going to be doing. And it was hard and it was not easy. It was not fun. It was a place of literally gripping the carpet as I laid on my face and saying, Jesus, no matter what comes, I will say you are good, faithful, true, kind, no matter what my eyes see, my ears hear, or I feel. I will not say anything other than who you are. I will not let my theology be determined by my circumstance. That's the word right there. So about six months later, I had another, another picture and I was praying and I saw the same dark road. And Jesus asked me, he said, do you want to see where you've been walking? the darkness that you thought was so dark and so far away from my presence? Do you want to see where you've actually been walking? And I was like, yeah. You know, when God asks you a question, he already knows the answer. It's so that you have a choice to join him in knowing the answer, to make a choice that you choose that you want to see. Because so much of our life is set by our desire. So the picture zoomed out and I saw this wide path that I could have chosen and it was just the wide bright path was going to go around the mountain again and lead right back there. But when I stepped off of that revolving wide path around the mountain, I stepped down into what was this cavern of darkness. I actually was stepping in to the place of the hand of God where my name was carved on the palm of his hand. And I was walking into that dark place and the canyon was actually that carving of my name. I was walking in the hand of God. Wow. Wow. And so that forever changed my understanding of when things get dark. And when you're walking in a place, in a place of mystery, when you're walking in a place of mystery where you don't understand and things are happening that totally conflict with what you know to be true with Jesus and who he is. Just maybe you're actually walking in the place where your identity is forged and carved in the scars of Jesus' hand. Would you stand up? I want to pray over you. If this message has resonated with you, would you just put your hand up? Resonate it with me too. Hallelujah. I'm going to give you a hint. A lot of times when someone's up here talking or when you're speaking and this stuff starts pouring out and you know it's from heaven, it's for you too. I know when I speak and I know when God's speaking and he's moving, it's not just me delivering some message. It's, 
it's a part of my own journey and I need it just as much as you do. And I need to respond to what God's saying in this message just as much as you do. Isn't that a great revelation? We're all in this together. I'm no different than you are. We're all on a journey with Jesus together. And I want to pray over you and I'm going to turn it over to Byron and Becky and they can do whatever they want to do (laughs) with the rest of the ministry. All right. Okay, Jesus, here we are. And here you are. More importantly, here you are. Jesus, I thank you that you are with us and that you hold us in the palm of your hand. Wow. And who we are, our name, the core of our identity, not the labels that the world gives, but our really, our name that you give us, our identity is etched on the palm of your hand. Jesus, and so I thank you Wow, that we are able to step into the place of allowing you to step in with us and govern over the places of our pain and the places of our wounding and any places where the pain has been so big that our image of who you are has been distorted or obscured. That you will come and you will govern over those places and our perception of who you are will be set right today. Wow, Jesus. That's something that God wants to do in so many of your lives. Come and set right our perception of who you are. Don't let us, wow, don't let us think thoughts of you that are unworthy of who you are. And Jesus, if we've gotten it backwards and we have all defined our theology, our view of who you are based on our circumstance, Daddy, I thank you that you flip that on its head this morning and that you would set right our theology, our understanding of who you are, and that all of a sudden that we would begin to define and shape and frame our circumstances based on who you are and not the other way around. We love you, Jesus. We love you, God, and we give you all the honor. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. And we stand in the valley of mystery and we journey through it, God, and we say we embrace. We embrace you in every way you come, even when we don't understand. Because we are relentlessly committed to see the full expression of your majesty be revealed in and through our lives. Individually, corporately, regionally, and unto the nations of the earth. In your beautiful, matchless name, Jesus. Wow. Amen.